Hi, this is Marcia Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas, where I have these kind of around the table conversations on Talk With Me with guests, often artists, often advocates, often involved with all kinds of things, because I believe things like, simple things like art saves lives, art's really important to me, culture is really important to me, words are really important to me, conversation is important, connecting, all that stuff. We build empathy. We build connection. We know we're not alone. We have some fun. If we don't laugh, we explode. That is one of my things. I'm sure of that. So every show, there'll be conversation with writer guests. There will always be some reading of that person's writing. There will always be laughter, and maybe it won't even make sense to you because of when we're laughing, but hey, that's just the way it is. So this is a show that I hope you enjoy, however it unfolds. I am thrilled to have a guest today who was initially introduced to me by Jameson Bales, a poet in Kansas City. And then after I first got to talk with my guest today, then a whole world of other people opened up as potential guests and friends across the country and even into Canada. Um, this is one of the things that I love about the show. I hope that people who are listening also appreciate those connections. That you go check out this other person's work or this other person's story, you know, that you consider being in the room with somebody who's been a guest or who's doing the same kinds of things, but who's in your area. Good stuff happens on Talk With Me. And today that good stuff is gonna happen with my guest, John Yammers, who's in New York while I'm in Lawrence, Kansas. Welcome, John. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Actually, I'm in Pennsylvania. Oh no, Pennsylvania. I always thought yeah, you were yeah. a New York poet. Oh, no, no. We, we live 40 miles west of Philadelphia. Oh, there you go. Lots going on in Pennsylvania with poetry. And man, I've talked to a bunch of people more in Pittsburgh than Philly, though. Okay. All right. Well, oops. So tell me more that I don't know about you. <laughs> What's a little bit of background that you'd like people to know as we start this conversation? Pardon me? Say that. What's a little bit of background about you that you would like people to know as we start this background. conversation? Background. Yeah. <sighs> You have this fabulous I'm, award. I'm, I'm five started. foot seven, 135 pounds. <laughs> I've written two very bad novels, 25 <laughs> volumes of poetry, and uh, have a wife and a dog, both of whom love me at various times. <laughs> That's great. What's your dog like? I'm curious about your dog. I love dogs. And, and I'm sitting in my room where I have this painting by a poet who is in New York, Rob Plath. Oh, Rob's um, the best. He's fantastic. Yeah. And Rob painted a picture of my dog for me with a quote. And it's in the room that I'm in. It's beautiful. So tell us just a teeny bit about your dog, because I know dogs are, have been important in your poetry, too. <laughs> they, they are. In fact, I, I published a whole book of dog poetry. Uh, <laughs> our dog, our current dog, Stella, is a 55-pound pain in the ass. <laughs> She's a, a a golden doodle and 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 a really strong-willed sweetheart. She uh -huh. she's a good dog, uh -huh. and um, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I guess if we ever do a fourth printing of my book, Bark, there'll be some things about her in there, too. Lovely, lovely, lovely. You were talking about Rob's uh, artwork. Uh-huh. He did the covers for the second and third printings of my book, Bark, and his use of color, as you could tell from what, what he did about your dog, uh-huh. is really interesting, the, uh-huh. the, the bright, stark yes flashes of color in his art yeah yeah and he's a wonderful person and a great poet yeah and you all kind of connected at least i i think of you as connected thanks to epic right press and wolfgang karstens who's up there in canada and i know he'll be listening to this show shout out to wolfgang for lots of good stuff that he does and helps other people do yeah Wolf is is kind of the 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 hub of the wheel that we all revolve around. He's, <laughs> he's a really good guy. I've always, with my writing, I I always determined that I was going to maybe not have the most talent of anybody I encountered, but I was going to work as hard or harder than anybody I encountered. And that always stood true until I encountered Wolf. (laughs) And with him as my publisher, he works harder for me than I even do. He's, He's a force of nature. Uh, yes, he is a wonderful one. So, I don't even know where to start. I think about things that you and I have talked about before and know that some people haven't met you before, haven't heard you in an interview with me or anybody before. Well, let's go on that supposition. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things that I love about you is your persistence. And you have a story about how you've open some doors to people recognizing the goodness of your poetry, thanks to a fabulous award. You have wonderful stories and wonderful poetry. And and I just don't even know whether it's best to start with a little bit of poetry or stories, because I'm just excited to, to have this time with you. <laughs> well, thank you. you. You made my day. Uh, let, okay, let's start with a very quick poem. In fact, the poem's as I got older, as I get older, the poems are getting shorter and shorter. I don't know if that's a, a, a sign of that I have less time left and I, I got to say things quicker or maybe I'm just getting smarter as I get older. Um, I, I recently had some things published in Kosovo, of all places, and this is one of the very short poems that they published. It's called She Said... She said, you think that silly, stupid grin makes you bulletproof, don't you? Then, just to be a bitch, she went and proved him wrong. (laughs) Just one more more quick one. At, At the doctor's today, one of the nurses wanted to meet me. She said she had all my books, which had to be a lie, but it was okay because she was pretty and didn't laugh when the doctor had me take off my shirt drop my pants and cough. <laughs> I, I love the stories. I love the stories. <laughs> I, I think with the poetry, you can, I, I don't know if I've ever succeeded at it, but it's my aim to 
you know, say as much with humor or at least a little bit of a, a disparaging, self-disparaging attitude. Uh, too many writers take themselves way too seriously. Uh, I, I try to, I definitely take the work very, very seriously, but I, I, I don't take myself as a writer that seriously. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and to me, that's, probably part of what draws me into both talking with you and reading your poetry and hearing your poetry is, is to me, those people who think it's all about me don't really have anything I want to (laughs) hear. You know, it's like, it's, it's not just about you as any, any one person as the writer. I'm not, I'm not a fan of people who are self-promoting only you know, um, and that's that's one of the things that I've encountered on the the positive side with the poetry community that that I've connected with is people who are great collaborators, great friends, great supporters, encouraging other people to do their best and be their best. You know, and and that that is really important to me. So I love that there's this gang of you all at Epic Write Press who adore each other and write amazing words. And and honestly, I appreciate the brevity. I think that's that's so powerful. It's it's nice being part of a team. It's nice finding people that you you know when you when you spend your life thinking that you're the only crazy one on the block. Yeah. Uh, it's nice finding some other blocks that have some crazy people. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been doing this a long time. I, I told you in our, our last interview, uh, my first book came out way back in 1970. So this is my 47th year in publishing. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to laugh. I'm, I'm right now downstairs in my basement office where I have my library and things and, and I've got a workman coming into the house uh-huh. and and I've already warned him uh not to let the dog out uh-huh. and try not to let her bark and I could hear her tail it, he's walking in the door now I could tell I could hear her tail banging thump 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 uh-huh. thump thump uh, on the door as she uh-huh. as she sees him so uh, uh, hopefully that'll go okay, and he'll take care of his work while I take care of mine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was saying I've been doing this going on 47 years now, mm-hmm. and we talked about how I got started, and that was a, a, a bit of a lie. In a <laughs> well, it was a, a lot of a lie. Um, my friend and I... We, we we drank a lot of vodka in those days and pop off vodka. Remember pop off vodka? They they had instead of a cap. Well, the cap was a little Mexican hat, a little <laughs> pink plastic Mexican hat, and the vodka was like four dollars a bottle. It was really cheap, uh, awful stuff. Uh, anyway, we were talking one night about how difficult it was to get published because all the publishers would say, where have you been published and what awards have you won? And of course we'd been published nowhere and we've won no awards. So one night at the uh, bottom of a great big bottle of vodka, my friend and I were standing at the corner of 
Oliver and Wakefield Streets. I'll never forget it. We're standing at the corner of <laughs> Oliver and Wakefield Streets, and he handed me the bottle of vodka while he hung off the street sign and looked up and saw Wakefield Street and said, here, I award you the Wakefield Prize. And he All gave right. me a bottle of vodka. <laughs> and we parted and walked home. And this true story, the next day I wrote to a rather large magazine saying, I've recently been awarded the prestigious Wakefield Prize for poetry, and would you please consider some of my work? A few weeks later in the mail, I get this letter from that magazine and that editor saying, yes, I've, I've heard of the Wakefield Prize. I'm aware of it. Congratulations, and we'd love to take your stuff. And that's how I got my foot in the door, and I've, I guess I've been lying and cheating ever since. Well, you must do a lot of lying and cheating in multiple languages because you've been published all over the world. <laughs> I, I've, I've been lucky, too. I, I, I think persistence is one of the things I'm, I'm proudest about. Um, I always, when I grew up, I, the people I associated with were waiting for the world to be the path to their door. And I, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they're still waiting. I always wanted to go out and and bring my work to to people because I, I felt that's what you had to do. You had to get the stuff read. You had to get the books sold. You have to put yourself in the middle of things. You have to compete. Mm -hmm. And persistence. Now, we've been hearing a lot about persistence, you and Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> <laughs> She's a treasure, isn't she? Yeah. That's quite amazing. So so I like that, that that balance that you're talking about. I mean, you need people. You need people to read your work. You know, it's, it's not just about writing. It's also about having people experience it. And so that, that is a challenge for writers. Yeah. I, it's very important to get the work read. Uh, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And as far as the writing is concerned, like I said, I've been doing this a long, long time, mm -hmm. but there was an aha moment when I kind of figured it out. And this was... This was pretty far into my career. I had published, I don't know, 10, 12 books by that time. But there was a time when I, the light bulb went out, went off. I, I realized that the trick, the, the real secret to this is getting inside your reader's head, getting them involved in the work. And, and once you can do that, get on their side of the street, your work is halfway done. The writing is so much easier. And I think since then, for me, like I said, it's it's become so much easier, and I understand the process a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. And and I I think about that, you know, getting, getting as you put it, inside the reader's head, getting them involved. I, I see that on, on both the level of the individual poem as well as getting them involved with you as a poet and people being excited to know 
what's Jean writing these days, you know, that and, and both the big picture. And, and I am a huge advocate of buy the books. <laughs> listeners, 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 it's a great privilege to have poetry on the page, especially after you've heard somebody read some of those poems. It's so cool. But, but poems are to be savored and they're, they're to be experienced in different contexts, you know? Something that you maybe read initially 10 years ago and you read it now and the world's a different place and the meaning of that poem is going to be influenced by all the things that have happened and are happening. And and so you gotta have those books. <laughs> Buy well, the books. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really appreciated because people are always trying to, I'll get emails from people saying, where can I find your work online? You know, where can I get it? The unstated for free, uh-huh. and people don't realize that. I don't want to call myself an artist, but the other people, people I'll don't realize artist. that that <laughs> artists need to eat too. Yes, you know, you you wouldn't think of asking your plumber or electrician, please give me a free snake job. Right. Uh, <laughs> You know, you, you got to support these artists and writers. Uh, I make it a point at least once a week to buy a non-traditional book of usually poetry. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of money supporting these people. Mm-hmm. Um, also, getting back to the writing, it's it's important for me to... to interact with my readers, mm-hmm. uh, have a, a response to things that happen with my readers, and take that to the next step and maybe build that into the, the poetry. Let me read an example from uh, my book, New and Selected Poems. Um, that was published. It was the last book I had published from Lummox Press, R.D. Armstrong. Uh, it's the publisher of Lummox Press. That was just before I switched over to uh, Wolf and uh, Epic Rights. Okay. Um, this is a poem from New and Selected Poems. I get this email today. It said, Yamaris, you no-talent, egotistical hack. I bought your latest book and couldn't even get halfway through it without falling asleep. You write crap. I'll have you know I've got a blog with nearly 300 readers, and I'm going to tell every single one of them that your poetry sucks. Not only that, but you suck, you stupid no-talent hack. I wrote back, Dear Anonymous, I'm glad I was able to help you get some much-needed rest. I'll have you know that letters like yours only make me stronger. It's indifference which creates the void and kills the soul. By the way, thanks for buying the book. I'm sure you'll be happy to know you helped pay for this great bottle of wine I'm having right now. (laughs) I wish I could talk longer, but I've got to run. I'm feeling an uncontrollable need to piss off someone else. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And it takes me back to one of my experiences in uh, counseling, which is kind of surprise you, but um, in the center where I worked for a very long time, people 
could come in, could drop in. In fact, we offered emergency housing sometimes as well as counseling. And and we had a, a, a man, I will not refer to him as a gentleman because he certainly wasn't, who was causing some problems uh, with other people and being interruptive and, and he needed to leave. And so I was the one who needed to tell this man that it was time for him to leave. And as I'm doing this, he looks at me and he says, you're the stupidest counselor I've ever met. And I said, that may be, but you still have to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that's just what happens. So you've got this amazing body of poetry and you're going to continue until you're gone. There's no question about that. <laughs> do you do you write all the time? I mean, I'm not, not all the time, but I mean, do you write every day? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, um, I physically don't write every day, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing something related to the work of mm-hmm. writing every day. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I always try to stress to aspiring writers. Uh, if you're waiting around for inspiration to take hold, you're going to wait forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to do something every day, whether it's writing, whether it's it's sending something out, whether it's uh, editing something. Do mm-hmm. something creative to further the work every single day, even if it's just 10 minutes, mm-hmm. it, you, you got to push the work forward. Mm-hmm. Um, people come to me and they'll say, it, it, they'll understand that I've had more than 1800 poems published in print magazines. And they'll kind of be impressed by that number, which is cool. <laughs> but the thing that impresses me is that that number was accomplished one day, one poem, one line at a time. Right. It's from persistence. Yeah. And and that's really the key. I always felt like I wanted to be a lunch pail type of guy, somebody who goes to work and does the work every day. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to be a rented of, mule? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I, I I really enjoy talking to you. <laughs> uh, you you you're a lot of fun. Get, let me go back to that same book, that uh, book, new and selected poems. Mm-hmm. Here's a very short one. Um, somebody take my picture, quick. Right now, Kathy's upstairs baking something. I don't know what it is, but the recipe calls for whiskey. She asked me to get it first, so I dug a bottle of Jack Daniels out of the liquor cabinet. It's right now sitting on top of the desk in front of me, along with my reading glasses and some poems I just finished. Man, that'd make a great picture. The hard-drinking and harder-living poet knocking off the poems and the J.D. with equal skill. A great picture. Take it now. Take it now and I'll sign it for you. Take it now and I'll give you 20 bucks to go away. Take it now before you go upstairs and take that other picture. You know the one. 
me in an apron taking cookies out of the oven. <laughs> some of the poems are little stories. Some of the poems um, take place, like I said, in in the uh, the reader's head. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he, here's an example of of that, a very short one. Um, when it came to him, she always knew that much was never more. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that, and we need to think and listen and, and go. How does he get such stories in one one short poem? You know, and our brains take off. And I love that. I love that. It's it's interesting to me because I was talking just yesterday with a, a poet from my area. He's nearby in Topeka, Kansas, and Huascar Medina is his name. And he was talking about working very hard on his poetry and working very hard to communicate meaning and to have this this kind of implication of where it's going, you know, not to throw it all out there in the first line, but to draw that that reader in so that the reader knows it's going somewhere and then yeah, you get there. Mm-hmm. And you get to, em- I get to embellish in my mind as I'm hearing your words or reading them on the page. Um, it, it becomes a much bigger, full story with with those prompts that you're throwing out there. It's beautiful. Let's see. Um, my latest book is called "I Admit Nothing." Um, <laughs> And in fact, this one I'm going to read was turned into a T-shirt by my publisher. Very cool T-shirt. It's called Give Me Poetry. Give me poetry that's new, that fails, that makes mistakes. Give me poetry that you don't know what in the world you need to name it. Give me poetry that bleeds from the eyes and shouts at the world. Give me poetry that stands naked and beaten with its back against the wall, still screaming, I am now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that is a t-shirt that Epic Rights Press created for your poem. Am I correct in that? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I asked, I sent some money to Wolfgang Karstens for some work by a few different poets for him to choose what work he would send. And amongst the things he sent is a black t-shirt with those white words on them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and actually what I'm going to do with it, because I want to keep spreading the word of your poetry and Epic's rights poetry. Um, we have a big event in Kansas City coming up in pa- Poetry Month of April, um, April 21st through 23rd, this thing called the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. This is the second year of it. And the people from Prospero's books and more who create this three-day event, which is bringing in people, including George Wallace from New York and Bill Gaynor mm-hmm. from California and John Dorsey and, and uh, William Taylor, wow. who are also um, Epic Rights uh, published 
poets, oh, yeah. um, a bunch of people coming in. And so I told um, Jameson Bales um, and Jason Reberg, who are the ones who were creating the festival that are the throwdown that I wanted to be able to share some epic rights things to encourage people to know more about that. And I thought there will be a person at that throwdown who will be so thrilled to wear this John Yammer's t-shirt. So that's where that's headed. Well, that's cool. Just make sure you spill some tequila on it to make it worthwhile. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't cover it with the apron when we're getting the cookies. Huh? <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. You need to read it. Uh, it it's interesting being part of Epic Rights Press. I, I, I feel I'm right now writing in the eye of the storm. Epic Rights is what? City Lights was a few years ago, what Black Sparrow was a few years ago. Uh, Epic Rights is now in the center of, of what's going on. And, and if people think they're aware of what's going on and they're not aware of Epic Rights books, uh, they're missing out. Check it out, yeah, Epic yeah. Rights, E-P-I-C, rights.org. Yep. Lots of great stuff going on there. Amazing artists. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And as I were mentioning that and encouraging people to buy the books, <laughs> um, I also want to take this short break and hear from some of the Lawrence, Kansas businesses that sponsor lawrencehits.com because that's why we get to share this conversation. And I say thank you to Daniel Smith who produces the show because John and I would have fun talking, but it's even more fun knowing people get to listen. And Daniel's the one who makes that happen. So we're gonna take a quick break and then be back with more delight with John Yamris. And this is Marsha Epstein welcoming you back to talk with me and poet John Yamris, who is in Pennsylvania, not in New York, as I misspoke <laughs> early in the show, had in my brain all along that you were in some part of New York with dog and poetry pens. Do you write with pens? Do you write any on longhand or do you write it all on some technology? Uh, it, it depends. If I'm in the car, it's, you know, pen or, or pencil or whatever I can grab. While you're driving? <laughs> yeah. Usually I'll pull over, but sometimes I got it on my knee there and I'm trying to write without looking. And uh, But, you know, yeah, I could talk about the process all day. It's just so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, it's the same way that, like I said, an electrician can talk about his work. Uh, just that their work is so much more important than what I do. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I think, I think that we need art. Not just that we should have it, but I think we need art. I think it's so important that we value art, that we value art is it one of the ex ways we express culture, understanding, that we entertain, that we get relief. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, yeah, I, I value electricity very much, <laughs> but also I wouldn't want to be in a world without art. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree. Hey, and, and it's, it, important to break down the barrier. Art shouldn't be this holier-than-thou separate 
thing. Art should be just part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why I try to write about the hairs in my nose or a pimple <laughs> or, or my dog taking a crap in the yard. It, it's important to bring that everyday stuff into into the art you know i going back to people like emerson and thoreau um uh, appreciating the everyday you know uh, a lily on a pond everyday things that's where the real art is it's just part of life mhm mhm and we do need to appreciate it because I think that's part of what, what some people miss is they're not looking at the ground and looking at the sky and, you know, they're just kind of with blinders on going from place to place. And that's sometimes how they treat people too. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I remember working with a, a group of employees after there'd been a, a weird accident with this car that had, crashed through their building and nobody actually got seriously injured, which was very fortunate, but everybody was pretty freaked out. And so we were talking about sort of how these workers were going to manage, you know, being, being back at work and, and how to deal with, with customers coming into their business and, you know, being impatient and all the things. And I said, you need to remind people that you are people, not part of the machinery, you know, and, and, and that, I think that's unfortunately the ways too many people um, let themselves treat others. It's just like, you know, you're just there for the purpose that I need you to serve. So value people, value art, value the beauty around us, you know, and the silliness, you know? Yeah, that's important. So you're going to keep writing that, that, you know, when I started out asking you if you wrote um, with pen, because I was thinking, um, some people do refer to themselves as, you know, page poets as opposed to, you know, spoken word poets, for example. And 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 I think about putting, you know, the, kind of a phrase of, you know, putting a pen to paper and realize that probably no, most of the people that I talk to actually don't put pen to paper. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, fingers to keyboard. <laughs> I, I, it's... it's I'm old. I'm. I'll be 66 next month, and I I see, you know, kids doing their writing and and reading their work at readings from their phones, which is totally foreign to me. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so, so times are changing, and uh, uh, but I'm still a a, a paper kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm going to put a little um, prompt to people who are maybe some of those readers who are used to reading on their phone. And it was something that came from another poet. And at the moment, I can't remember who said this, but but this poet's perspective was those poets at the mic looking at their small technology disconnect themselves from their audience when they're doing that in a very different way from a poet standing at a mic with a book and pages. Um, mm-hmm. There's a different kind of interaction. And, and having been to um, a lot of readings, um, I would say I, I agree with that. There, there is a difference in probably the, the concentration that it takes to read from the very small screen of a oh yeah, um, yeah very much so if you just look at the body language yeah 
it's night and day. It's, yeah. it's, it's totally different. Yeah. And so that's a, just a little prompt to those of you who are going up to the mic who haven't done it maybe so many times. Take your words on paper. <laughs> you don't have to have a fancy published book, but you know, it, there's a bit, there is a big difference in interaction and that's what you want. That's what I want as the audience. I want to see this poet. I want that poet to be looking at the audience. I want to see what their face looks like as they're sharing these words that they've they've known because they wrote them and they probably, not always, but usually have performed them many times before, you know? So it's like, yeah, yeah bring paper. <laughs> That's a good point. And as a writer, one of the things you have to do, you have to learn is develop your own voice. Um, like in music, if you heard B.B. King or Miles Davis or Carlos Santana, you know who you're hearing. Uh -huh. You know, th these people have developed a voice. It's the same way w w with writers, whether it's a prose stylist like an Updike or, Updike or a, a, a Stephen King you know, mm -hmm. you, you read their work and you know who you're reading. The, the minute you pick up that book, mm -hmm. uh, it's very important to develop your own voice. Mm -hmm. And that starts, we all do, you start copying people. I spent years writing my way through through Whitman, through Kerouac, through Ginsburg, through Bukowski. You had to shoot that 800-pound gorilla in the room and move past him. Uh, to to develop your own voice, it, it just takes time mm -hmm. and work, and that doesn't happen from hoping. It, it happens <laughs> from work. I like that. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work, and and people should expect it to take a lot of work. <laughs> You know, when they're doing their own thing, it, there are so many stories I've heard. And, and as I was looking at things on, on uh, your website, that reminder of, of people who, who have this idea that, oh, that's so easy. I can do that just as well. And then the real truth is, one, you haven't. And two, no, you can't at this point. <laughs> Yeah. You know, what you're saying there uh, reflects back to uh, Bukowski. He uh, single-handedly is responsible for the current renaissance in poetry. He's also responsible for a whole lot of bad poetry out <laughs> there based on what you're saying, that a lot of people thinking that they can do that as well, forgetting that it takes a lot of work, reading, practice and more reading. I, I, I talk to writers who'll say, oh no, I never read because I don't want to influence the uh, uh, the golden treasure of my words. <laughs> Bullshit. You, you got to sit back and read and learn and the more you know, heck, um, I, uh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> Yeah, See, you let, let me yeah. calm myself down here okay. by reading by reading a poem called "The Apartment." Okay, the apartment had no heat, no hot water, and no back door. To make it interesting, two strippers lived upstairs. The problem was they were nice girls, broke just like us. We ate noodles and very little else. The poems came hard. 
That's from my new book called I Admit Nothing. Right. <laughs> uh, that's the, uh, the title of the book, and also Wolf decided to put that poem on the back cover of the book, and that uh -huh. poem reads, The only thing dumber than a writer is someone who admits to being a writer. <laughs> I am five foot seven, sixty-five years old, and I love dogs. I am not dumb, and I admit nothing. <laughs> you you were talking about my website. Uh -huh. um, I I've got this. Uh, I don't know if you know Robert Hansen. He publishes yes. this this really cool series called Poems for All. Yes. If you remember. Uh, years ago, back when there were phone booths, you'd find these little teeny tiny religious tracks in phone booths on the shelves, uh, little religious pamphlets, maybe an inch and a half by an inch and a half. Uh, and Robert's doing that same kind of idea, scattering poems all over the place, starting in San Diego, with little nicely, beautifully made uh, chapbooks, inch and a half by an inch and a half, six pages, eight pages, and I've got two of mine in that series, and I told him the other day, I said, you know, I've been doing this a long time, but now that I'm finally part of the Poems for All series, I feel like I've finally arrived. Uh. And, and to help spread Robert's word and to help spread the word about my poetry i uh, i'm running this this thing where while supplies last and i don't have a lot of them but while supplies last for anyone that goes to my website johnyamorous.com there's a uh, a contact tab for anyone who contacts me using that contact tab and sends me their name and address while supplies last i will send them uh, copies of my two poems for all chapbooks. Uh, no charge, no postage charge, I'll just send them out. And I will be doing that through, oh, Monday or Tuesday, February 20th or 21st, depending on how many copies I have left. Wonderful. So if anybody wants to do that, go to my website, hit the contact button, and let me know your address. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And and for listeners who haven't experienced poems for all, you'll be delighted by these little books. And then they can find out more. You can go to the Poems for All website, Facebook page, see some of the stuff. Robert Hansen is gifting the world with these beautiful publications that he mostly designs the covers himself. And and poets from all over the United States and then his, his uh, Scotland series, it's they're beautiful and in fact where i am sitting at this moment i have this this collection of poems for all right in front of me really <laughs> yes, wow <laughs> yes yes i i robert hansen is is a dear he's such a gift um and and so i love this idea so listeners this is what john just told you go to johnyamorous.com website go to the contact page send john your mailing address and as long as there are enough poems for all still in his possession to send he will mail you these lovely little poems um 
contact him soon. This show premieres on February 16th, 2017. And so within a few days of that time, those poems for all will probably be gone. So contact him soon. Contact him soon. Listen to the podcast. Contact him right away. And, um, you know, then also go to his website and buy some books. <laughs> well, that would, that would be nice and needed. <laughs> and, and it's not like I'm going to get rich from it certainly far from the fact, but uh, these publishers need to be supported. These yeah. people who who really put everything on the line to put us dopes in print, um, they need to be supported. Uh, it's tough times, and these small publishers really lay it on the line, and I can't say any. I can't yeah. say enough about these people. Yeah. It's wonderful that we have the voices that are published and it's because of wonderful small presses across the country. And so one of the, you know, just I'm kind of going on a rant here, but you know, I don't have a problem with people looking at Amazon to find out what's available, but then see how close to the source you can buy that work. You know, can you buy it from the artist? Can you buy it from the publisher? If you can't, can you buy it from a local independent bookstore that can order it for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. All those things are important parts of keeping the art available. Yeah. That's a very good point because, as you said, the further that purchase gets removed from the source, the less money the publisher has coming in, the less money that publisher has to fund it into new projects and, and, and keep food on the table and keep publishing more books. Yeah. So and, try to go to the source. That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. And, and truly with, with all of our purchases, as close as we can get to where they come from and buy them there, the better. I, you know, in a very different conversation, I was talking to a writer um, and educator, uh, Simran Sethi, who is, uh, her focus is on environmentalism and food. And she was, one thing she was talking about was that the reason so much food really has almost no flavor, you know, even when you're buying produce at the grocery or, you know, whatever it is that you eat, not, not even just the packaged foods, but the reason there's not much flavor is that the emphasis is on mass production for cheapest um, price per unit so that there's maximum profit for these gigantic corporations. And so the emphasis is not on quality or, or, or taste. So then when you get yourself down to, okay, I'm going to use the farmer's market in my area when it's available, you know, you're going to get a whole different quality of food as well as human interaction when you get to talk to the growers. And it's like that with art, you know, go to events, talk to the artists, and often, at, at certainly at readings, those those writers are going to have books to sell, and you can also get them autographed. And that's it's just cool. <laughs> it adds to the enjoyment, no question about it, no question about it. So you you've got a lot of books in print, a lot of books, and and more to come, no doubt about that. And and I think that's exciting that you know that writing is is a huge part of your life. And, and I think that's true for a lot of artists that, you know, there's, there's this importance. It's not just, I do this thing, but it's important. It's very important. And I think now 
is a time when art is so important. We, we have to be hearing each other's words in different ways, whether it's actually seeing paintings or dance performances or whatever, but we, we need to be aware of what other people are putting out in the world and, and consider that uh, and helping us direct where we're it's, going. It's gonna be interesting because times of stress and, and pain and fear always tend to produce art and thought. So uh, that's going to be interesting to yeah. see what happens, but yeah. I, 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 I won't go into that. I, I used to do this, not used to, two years ago, I, I put together this thing of shorter poems because many of the shorter poems work well on the page. They don't work so well being read aloud. And I, I'm not going to read that whole thing that I put together. I just wanted to read, <laughs> to contradict myself, I just wanted to read two of the short poems uh-huh. from that little teeny mashup that I did, just two from that. He knew it as sure as he knew anything in his life. No summer is endless. One more. There is nothing sadder than a dead dog on the side of the road. Hmm. (laughs) You know, and that gets back to my opening the poem up on the page and, and getting into the reader's head and allowing them to, to add to the poem. Uh, Uh That, that second poem The reader brings everything to that poem. I brought uh-huh. very little and, and just kind of stirred the pot a little bit. Well, you open the door, though. You know, I mean, it the the story that unfolds in my head, the story that unfolds in any listener's head, wouldn't be happening without that invitation from you to walk through this door. And so that's that's the huge gift. Well, that's... That's cool. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, let's let's read one more for, from the book I Admit Nothing, which is which is my my newest book. Um, real short one. My poems are not meant to impress you. They are written to help me make it through the night. Um, and in doing that, you know, as I hear that. What I know is, is you said something earlier about that other people like you, other people similar to you, as well as like you, enjoy you, value you. But, but we hear those words and, and we think about what does it take me to get through the night? And, and you know, this, this writer understands that. And there's, there's this beauty of connection and empathy that happens even and maybe especially in those very short poems, because they allow so much freedom for the the listener to to go where they need to go with that. But yeah. excuse me, I I'm fascinated by how big these not necessarily mine, but little poems can be, how big they can be. Mm-hmm. Aspiring writers always want to write the big poem. You know, they they they. Try to do the ultimate love is, life is, hate is. Uh, you tr- try to say everything. I, I think just by 
trying to describe one little facet of the diamond, it's easier to explain the diamond. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not explaining myself properly there. I, 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 I just doing these little poems, these little thoughts is more important to me than trying to explain the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they're beautiful. And we're at that about, I don't know, five minutes or so till the end of this conversation. And I'm thinking, how did that happen already? How did we do this? And this happened incredible. in both of my experiences <laughs> with you. And I have to say, it's it's because really because of you. I, I really do appreciate having a host as interested and well-prepared as you. It, it means a lot. And I don't know if all your guests appreciate this, but I sure do. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. It's it's a delight. Uh, your your poetry uh, just brings joy to me. And, and and thoughtfulness, you know, I mean, I, it's not all funny. I, I might laugh at words because of things that they bring up, but but there's a lot of meaning about, you know, what's important in life. And and to me, that's that's one of those big connections with all of you who are connected at times with Epic Rights Press is that idea that, that value life, do things now, because you don't know how long now is going to be. <laughs> One of the things I just wonder, just a small question, just uh, about your your work. Do you sometimes do workshops for poets? Do you do you share it in that way, or mainly it, through no. your readings? Okay. No, I, I I'm not a teacher. I okay. have very little patience and even <laughs> a shorter attention span. Uh, I, I'm not a teacher, and I really do value people that can do that, and I mm-hmm. appreciate people that can do that. I can't. Maybe that's why I became a, a, a writer, because uh, I certainly can't teach. Well, and, and I think you know what you're saying, teaching in a formal sense, that you're not going to be the person in front of an audience instructing, um, sharing ideas about how to write really well, but you put a lot of work out that you've worked on very hard. And so you're one of those poets that people can read and be influenced by. Look at how carefully John places his words on the page, both what the page looks like and how the words sound when they're spoken aloud, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. It's and I'm not talking about my work again, but it's very hard to make it look very easy. In fact, Kerouac once wrote, walking on water wasn't built in a day. <laughs> it takes time and work. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so for people who are newer in their writing or whatever their art is, to know it does take time and it takes practice, it takes doing it. It takes exposing yourself to other people doing that same kind of work. You know, we we don't create wonderful things in a vacuum without knowing what other people are doing. We don't, we need to have the comparisons and the influences. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're very generous with a lot of work in print. Um, and, And as I've said several times to listeners, buy things 
you know, I, I get so tired of, of walking in my downtown and seeing all the people buying expensive coffee beverages. It's like, yeah, you know what? You could give up two of those coffee drinks and have a fabulous book of poetry that you can refer to again and again. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't understand. <laughs> so so be, be thinking about how you spend your money, folks. You really can afford poetry books and and the the enjoyment that they that they bring and the opportunity at times to share parts of them with somebody else you know to to be able to to say to a friend who's going through something you know listen to this thing this guy john yamas wrote this is so cool it's just like what you're good doing right now you know and it's a delight it's wonderful so, so we want people to find you. We want people to go to johnyamrus.com, your website, and, and read and look at stuff that, that is on there about John's work and, and John's work. You know, again, it does give the opportunity to buy books. And, and of course, I value that. And I, I periodically post pictures of my most special collection of books and where they are. Um, and, you know, and it's important to me to have those. Remember that John made this lovely offer that he will send you these poems for all of his work, these lovely little poetry books that, that Robert Hansen creates so they can be scattered like seeds. Um, you go to, to John's website, hit the contact page, send him your mailing address, ask nicely and say thank you. <laughs> and do that soon by, let's say, Tuesday the 21st of February 2017. And as long as he still has copies available, he'll send you these lovely books of poetry, these lovely little things you can have in your pocket. You can pull them out and smile and share with somebody at any moment. And, and it's just a blast. So, gosh, here goes this hour. John, what would you like to say before we say goodbye to our listeners? Well, like I said, it's a pleasure being on your program. It's, it's very nice being appreciated, being able to read my work, being able to talk about the work, being able to talk about people that I love, respect, appreciate, uh, look up to, uh, this is a, a great venue uh, to let people know that your work is archived, available on the internet, and let people yeah. share it and, and spread the word. Yes, please do. Um, the The 2017 podcasts go on to the website of the radio page, lawrencehits.com, and to iTunes and Google Play Music, although I'll confess I have trouble finding it, so I search the parent company, here, H-E-A-R, FAIR, F-A-R-E-L-L-C. And then I can find Talk With Me, and then I can find these things I'm looking for. But then there's this if whole wealth of stuff on mixcloud.com, Lawrence, backslash Lawrence Hits, including the first um, recording that John and I did together and many more. So As we close here, mm -hmm. if I could just take 15 seconds and read something to, to wrap it up. Yes. It's a short poem. It goes, I'll tell you one thing for certain. I've got a lot more yesterdays than tomorrows. The only thing good about that is they all were spent with you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, John Yamras. Thank you, listeners. We know Thank you, you enjoyed this. You are very welcome, John. And so long to our listeners. <laughs>